go. Yes. The the noise to start was the word go. <laughs> I figured it when I was like saying to my computer because it oh. was just like uh, <laughs> thinking, thinking. All right. Welcome to the Garbage Fire <laughs> Podcast, aka MFKS Radio, on the airwaves dial at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who are hypervigilant, bordering on paranoid. Oh, well, shit, that cuts me real deep. <laughs> the Garbage Fire Podcast is all about being unironically passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. Yeah, so, uh, hypervigilant. Hypervigilant, unnecessarily, probably. I don't know. Probably. I don't know. This is the thing. If we stay in our homes and we flatten the curve, then it's not unnecessary, I guess. Yeah. I hope. (laughs) It's just like, there's, I don't know. I stay at home. My (laughs) essential worker partner does not. So. Yeah. I don't know what's yeah. going to happen, man. <laughs> yeah, I stay at home and I'm by myself. So, like, that's fine. It is what it is, right? Um, but, like, not having the option to do things, I think, is the part that's a struggle for me. Yeah. Because I was t- I was talking to a friend the other day. She dropped off um, some flour and eggs because I couldn't find any at the grocery store. Uh, and it was funny because she, she got them and she had them in like the backseat of her car. And so I pulled them out of the backseat of her car. Uh, and then we talked, I was out like on the passenger side outside, uh, and she stayed in, in the driver's seat and we talked from about 10 feet away Mm -hmm. for, I don't know, 20 minutes. Um, but we were talking a little bit about the notion of like being introverted and liking our space and being alone and those kind of things. And I was like, yeah, but sometimes I like to be alone with other people. So, like, I like to go to the bookstore. That's the thing that I like to do. That's one of the reasons why I go as often as I can. I'll go, I'll get a cup of coffee, and I will just wander. I won't talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. I always go to the Indigo by my house. And so people know me. The staff knows me well enough to know that, like, I'm not here to chit-chat. I don't need help finding a fucking book. Like, just leave me alone. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And it's a nice feeling that they know that. But, like, that's what I like to do is just go and look at books. Yeah. Um, and I can't do that because obviously the stores are closed, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. Like I'm, I'm very okay with why this is happening, but like not having that normal outlet for me has been Yeah. Especially when you are, your life is organized so that you have that outlet because it works for you, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's not, (laughs) I was getting mad at fucking extroverts just fucking on my Instagram story, just like doing challenges and singing and playing games. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? This is my safe space, not yours. Like, right? <laughs> get out of here. Well, and-, and it seems that there's this, like, weird impetus for so many people to, like, like, there, I see this shit on, on Instagram all the time, and it's like, well, well, Isaac Newton discovered calculus during a quarantine. And I was like, well, first of all, calculus has already been discovered, so okay. <laughs> and second of all, like, I really feel like, we're on the precipice of, like, a an entire, like, global meltdown. shift. <laughs> well, I don't... I'm not going to say global Paradigm meltdown Paradigm shift, yet. yeah. I Very much so, yes. And in terms of, like, how we view work and how we view commerce and how we view a whole bunch of things. Yeah. Um, and I feel like encouraging people to, like, write the next great American novel, which, like, let's be honest, nobody fucking cares about your quarantine novel, um, <laughs> is, like... 
I don't know what I don't know what the right word is, but it's it's very misguided because like I think people right now are worrying about how they're going to pay their bills and how they're going to put food on the table when they don't have steady income and like all of those kind of things, which when Isaac Newton was inventing calculus was not a concern for most people. Absolutely. And also like he's an exceptional mind. Like (laughs) the amount of people who were struggling day to day in the time that he was living and yet he had the like privilege to be educated and seek understanding in a time when that wasn't the norm like god yeah and so like i mean i've joked that like i'm gonna write a book during this time i probably will because i've been writing every day and i just have time um but that's really all it is is that i have time it's not that it like i'm inspired by this i've had an idea like Mm -hmm. rolling around in my head for two and a half years um and so like you know, I've I've got a I've got a thought, and I've sort of have some stuff already sketched out, and so I've been working at it every day because it's something to do. It's part of my routine now, mm-hmm. um, as I've built time in for it. But like, I'm one hundred percent not writing a novel about what it was like to be quarantined in my house because let me tell you, it's not much different than my regular spring break. No, and that's and that's fine, and that's. I think, honestly, we need more people like you out there because it's spreading because people are not following these rules and not necessarily taking care of themselves and others in the way perhaps they should, but... Well, and not understanding, like, how... And I think, like, I've been doing a bunch of reading about this thing because, like, I think it's... um, I mean, it's worth knowing, I think, what we're up against as much excuse me, as much as possible. Um, And so I've been doing some reading about, like, why this particular virus, why it's so much more dangerous than the flu. Mm -hmm. And, like, I get what the argument from some people is, like, well, the flu kills this many people every year. And it was like, yeah, of course it does, for sure. And lots of times it kills people who have... (laughs) <laughs> who have, like, underlying causes. But the the, the thing that I saw the other day that, that kind of put it into perspective is, like, sure, the flu kills way more people than this probably will, to be perfectly honest. However, we know the flu is coming. We have a flu shot that mm-hmm. people can get if they... And, and it also... The flu goes around and spreads relatively slowly. Like, if you have the flu, you might pass it to, like, two people. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to feel your symptoms pretty quick. Whereas this thing, you can have it and not know that you have it for days and days and days and spread it around to, like, a whole pile of people and then be like, oh, I actually do have this virus. Yeah. And so by the time you figure out that you have this virus, um, you could have basically been responsible for infecting, like, 50,000 people. Yeah. Right. And whereas with the flu, like, you know when you're getting the flu. It doesn't just all, like, it doesn't just all of a sudden show up. Like, you can feel it right away. And then you're like, oh, I'm super sick. I'm going to stay home for a while. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, like, listening to that that argument, it's like, oh, well, what's the big deal? I'm like, well, it's a big deal because our healthcare system is not capable of coping with this. No. Like, at all. None at all. I was talking to a friend who works in AHS, and they have, like, a, a pandemic kind of, like, phase system. And if, like, the curve isn't flattened and it accelerates the way that models, like, suggest, hospitals could be at 209% capacity. Oh, good. (laughs) Can you, what what does that mean? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that seems great. Um, I was reading something today, which I th- and I knew this was sort of a thing, but I've never really thought about it in these terms before. In the States, there's a restaurant chain called Waffle House, um, which is like... I don't know what Waffle House is. Apparently, it's a thing, and there's a whole bunch of them all over the country. Um, but like there's a IHOP Waffle House for waffles. Kind of, I think so. Um, but apparently, there's like a Waffle House disaster index, which sounds insane. <laughs> I realize, except that Waffle House operates a lot in southern states, who are which are obviously very prone to hurricanes and tornadoes mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. And like Waffle House has an entire disaster relief. Like plan. plan. So they can take their restaurants from like full operation and like move them into trailers to provide food and whatever to emergency workers like Holy you know shit. as quickly as humanly possible. Except that their Waffle House closed three hundred and some of their restaurants. Closed, like outright closed them because of this is what's going on right now. Yeah. Um and so knowing what Waffle House is capable of in like other disasters that should be a pretty good indicator that, like, what's happening in the States is going to hit critical mass in, a you know, in, like, no time at all. Yeah. Because Waffle House is like, well, this is a thing that we are not prepared for. We can't even mitigate. And, like, we don't have a contingency plan for this, so we're going to shut our doors. Well, especially and, when... And, like, Waffle House doesn't shut down. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those. Yeah. Especially when you're getting such mixed messaging from like, the leader of your country to mm-hmm. your state governors who are saying, essentially, stay home, stay indoors, like, try to do your best and yeah. stay isolated, and your fucking president is saying, no, the country's still open for business, and you're like... Yeah. <laughs> and by Easter, we'll be back online, like, with everything. It's like, will you, will you really? No, we won't. Like, China yeah. is still slowly recovering, and they, it's been... Like, what, two and a half, three months? Like, I think their first case was, like, late November, early yeah. December. Yeah. And they, like, as soon as they kind of figured out how quickly this, they, like, shut down an entire province. Yeah. And also, they built a hospital in one week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching that time lapse and being like, shit, China gets shit done. Like, that's fucking wild to me. But... I know. And and so, like, all of this, and I was listening this morning to uh, a little bit of stuff uh, from, like, the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo. Yeah. Um, and he's just, like, I mean, I don't know, under normal circumstances, I don't think I'd be a fan, to be perfectly honest, but, like, his response to this, partially because New York City is, like, probably the epicenter of it in the States now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but also, he's, like, just l- listening to what he has to say versus, like, yeah, what Trump and, and other people are saying and other, uh, federal officials are saying, it's absolutely fascinating. Or listening to, like, governors in, in southern states, <clears throat> excuse me, who are like, oh, whatever, I'm going to go eat um, eat out with my family. And I'm like, why would you do that? That seems like a terrible idea. Yeah. And then who, um, you have Trudeau, who's still on self-isolation because his wife is sick. Yeah. And probably will. And, and there, that was the thing I was listening to yesterday. They were talking about, like, how long he's going to stay there. Mm-hmm. Like, can he do his job, ultimately? From home. For sure he can. And if he can do his job from home, yeah, what does that look like for a mm-hmm. whole bunch of other... Like, it would be really interesting to see. Um, but I read something that uh, the government is passing that people who are um, out of work because of this and, like, don't... And, to, like, to top up their EI and a whole bunch of other stuff can now get... I think it's, like, 2000 bucks a month. They just announced it today. Oh, shit. Um... 
Like, this is going to cost so much money to, to mitigate the problem. But, like, ultimately, at the end of the day, if you put money in people's pockets, they will still buy things when they can. And as soon as they oh, can, like... Oh, for sure. I'm still ordering takeout. I'm ordering things online. I bought a fucking mattress. Like, <laughs> just, like, <laughs> I'm keeping the economy alive. <laughs> You're just living your life, hey? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to do my best. Oh, that's funny. Well, and well, it's like, just, like, last week I ordered Chinese twice because there's so many you know there's like mm-hmm. casual racism happening i was like i want to support mm-hmm. the excellent like family-run non-chain restaurants in my community yeah. my friend erin uh ordered chinese food from somewhere down i think she's staying at her parents place anyway um down by her parents place and uh she they put a little note in and it gave her free spring rolls to like thank her for the order oh and I was just like, oh, that's so sweet. And I was like, I will go. I will, like, absolutely go. They don't deliver to my house, so, like, it's because it's too far. Um, but, and they're not on, like, Skip or anything like that. But I will go there when this is over, for sure. Absolutely. Right? Because, like, yeah, I mean, and, and like, there's a bookshop downtown now in the Edmonton City Center Mall called Glass. And I don't know if they're still doing it, but they were last week. Um, they would close their stores to customers, but they put their entire inventory online and they would deliver it to you for free. Um, or like five bucks a delivery or whatever, like, you know, it'd be like the owners bringing them around in the evenings and that kind of thing. But like, why not? Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, I think that there's some, been some really interesting sort of innovative things, but the thing that's been bothering me more than anything is like all these people who don't understand what it means to like be isolated. Yeah. Like I live by myself, so it's really easy for me to be isolated. I don't have to think too hard. And like when I go to the grocery store, I just come home to my own home. Like I'm not... You know, and I've only gone to the grocery store, uh, I think twice since last Sunday. So, like, it's not like I'm going every day. Like, I know some people are. Um, but, like, you can't, you can't meet up with your friends at someone's house and then, like, go back to your isolation. Like, you can't do that. No. That's not how this works. No, not at all. And, like, when you're out for a walk, I went out for a walk. I've been going for a walk every day, which is good, just to get out of the house and do something different. And I went the other day, and there's a playground not far um, from my place. If you, like, turn left out of my complex and keep going down the road, there's yeah, a yeah. playground over that way. Um, and the number of people, families, who were there just, like, letting everybody just hang out and, like, be buds. And I was like, no, that's not how this works. Yeah. Um, but also on the way back from that, so I, like, walked to basically all the way down to the main road and then back. Um, but on the way back, I saw these two dads out on their driveways having beers they were like sit, literally sitting in lawn chairs on their driveways separate driveways uh and just having, having a t- <laughs> well it was like there's like a strip of grass in between their driveways but yeah they were like facing each other with this big strip of grass in between drinking beers and i was like you know that's not a bad idea that's amazing like that's the kind of conversation that i feel is okay but like yeah like you can't just like let your kids go to someone's house no and then bring that like that's not how this works no i've heard <sighs> tale of people going to visit new babies of uh, the thing is it's hard to it's hard to get kids on board I think Mm -hmm. because they're so used to seeing their friends every single day and and being social more so but yeah it's it's tough but Uh, like in thinking of the whole economics thing we are on the precipice it could be done of going to a money-free society. Uh-huh. Like Star Trek. <laughs> and 
And of all, like, the conspiracy theory whatevers I'm into, that one would be the best. Because what we've, what we're showing each other and everyone now is that money is nothing. Oh, you can get well, money from anywhere. <laughs> and that's the thing that I found the most interesting. Because, like, I've long believed that, you know, wealth is just manufactured bullshit, right? Like, there's, yeah. the, wealth is nothing. And when the government wants to, the government can do whatever it wants. Right? Like, that's the... That's the thing. And when the government's like, you know what, we need to, we have to, uh, we got to help people out here, so we're going to help people out, they can just do that. Yeah, money um, is a social construct. It is. And I mean, I, I understand that we have to ascribe value to things, and, and it's not like there's never been value ascribed to things before in, like, moneyless societies, but it's really interesting that right now, when we look at, like, this particular illness that people are getting, it is 100% non-discriminatory. Yeah. And I think that that's maybe the thing that's freaking people out the most. Um, like, not people in general, but, like, rich people, is that all of a sudden there's a thing their money can't stop. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there's a there's this thing that, like, they can't buy their way out of it. Sure, they can buy their way into a test, they can buy their way into a whole bunch of things, but they cannot buy their way out of getting this disease, because they still need food. Right? They still have to... Someone has to get them groceries. Somebody, whether yeah. it's their their assistant or themselves or whoever, whatever it is, somebody still has to go and make sure that there's food in their house. Somebody has to still go and make sure that there's, you know, um, that you've got enough toilet paper, that you have all of those kind of things. So there's absolutely no, nothing about this that's like not equal, Mm-mm. except they just have the means to buy more of the stuff. Exactly. Well, and you're seeing a lot of stuff of people... Like, celebrities saying they're symptom-free, but they've tested positive, And you're like, well, how are you getting tested? Like, yeah. are you... <laughs> how much are you paying to get tested and have zero treatment for this viral disorder? Yeah. Like, what what hoops are you jumping through Yeah, that other people should be getting first? Yeah. Well, and, and it, yeah, I mean, that's that question of, like you know, what, what your money can and can't buy, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also really interesting watching people who have money be kind of freaked out about the fact that their money is no good anymore. Like, you know, and looking at, at, at how we're all in the same shitty boat right now and there's not a thing that anyone can do about it. Um, but now they're looking and realizing that like the things that are important and the, the work that's being done that is valuable is not the work that they do. Yeah. It's the people, it's those frontline workers, it's, it's, you know, postal workers and, uh, firefighters and ambulance drivers and doctors and nurses and custodians in hospitals and, you know, people who are working, like, legitimately on the front lines to keep our society functioning are the people that, like, are the most important right now. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you're a person who has lived for however long in your ivory tower, I think that's probably a really uncomfortable realization for you Mm -hmm. that your work is only as valuable as long only valuable as long as there are people willing to pay for it and right now no one's no one's paying for it absolutely it's yeah it's tough times my other favorite thing about all of this is watching all the celebrities who have children that they're now having to like essentially homeschool being like holy shit this is hard yeah and I'm like, oh, is it? Is it really tough? I didn't know. I'd never, I'd never thought that my job was tough ever. 
yeah, it's so funny having parents be like, fucking hell. <laughs> like, I'm with my kids. Yeah, it's like, oh, what are they teaching you at that school anyway? It's like, holy shit, I will let them teach you anything as long as I don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, Just take them away. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it, that part's been really interesting to me. It's just sort of seeing how people react and respond to to this kind of thing. This sort of, like, crisis and chaos. And I, I was reading some other stuff, too, and, like, about how this weird existential dread that so many people are feeling, because that's really what this is, I think, right now, um, is pretty normal for people who suffer from anxiety, which absolutely makes sense. Mm-hmm. The, like, the uncertainty of all of this... Sex. Which is what, of course, yeah, absolutely. But, but like for people who don't have, who, who don't suffer from that and don't have to deal with that on a regular basis, right? This is like a very new feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like being a person who does, I think all of a sudden it's just like, it, it doesn't necessarily normalize because I still think that there's a stigma attached to it, but it kind of in a way does normalize how people feel on a regular basis. Well, for sure. Especially when, like, as someone who has anxiety, the amount of times I've been told, like, well, just calm down. I'm sorry? <laughs> I'm sorry? Calm down? <laughs> you, you're you telling me to calm down? And how do uh-huh. you suggest I do that? <laughs> well, I don't know. Just, like, t- take a walk or something. Just, like, get over it. Just, like, go do yoga. Just, like, oh, okay. Well, sure. Well, and I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day. Uh, his wife is, I don't know, seven and a half months pregnant, and she's not working anymore. She she worked at retail, and she took, like, a medical leave, essentially. Mm-hmm. Just because before, and he, and he's worried that it's going to fuck up her mat leave, and there's all this kind of stuff. And I said to him, I was like, listen, I get that you're stressed out, and, I like, I understand all of these things, and I understand that you don't want to let her know that you're stressed out, but I guarantee you she can tell. Oh, for sure. 100% she knows, and she's probably stressed out because you're not talking talking to her. Yeah. And you need to sit down with her tonight when you get home from work, because I don't know, he works in an office somewhere, and there's like two employees, so he's okay. He he does like accounting work for... Oh, gotcha. uh, Yeah, for like a He could also do that from home, but... He could do it from home, but it's... (laughs) Right now, he's like, it's... While she was still working, he's like, there's no point in me being at home. And now that she's not working, I'm sure he'll work, do it from home. But I basically said, I was like, you need to sit down with your wife and you guys need to have a conversation and you need to like make a pros and cons list. I don't care. Like just write down all of the things right now that are stressing you out every single thing and then cross off the, off of that list, all of the things that you can't control. Mm-hmm. It's going to be all of gonna them. going to be about 95% of them. Yeah. And I was like, there's literally nothing that you can do right now that's going to mitigate any of these things. Except she needs to know that you're stressed out. And she needs to know that you're, like, willing to talk about it. Because I'm sure that's not helping. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to him again this morning. He's like, yeah, you were right. And I was like, I know. I'm well aware. But also that's just good advice for life. Like, there's no reason to be bottled up like that. Like, if you're stressed nope. out about something, fucking talk about it. Good lord. I don't yep. understand this, like, stoic keeping all of my stress inside like what why who is that for yep. it's not for well, you that's for it's sure. also been really interesting for me because and i think like my friends are worried about me i think is really what this boils down to um but i've heard from lots of people in the last week that i wouldn't normally hear from on a regular basis mm-hmm. like i get a check-in every night from my friend brian at oh, about nine nice. o'clock which is super nice, and it's not like we don't talk or anything, but, like, like I babysit his kid 
you know, semi-regularly. So, like, it's not like we don't talk. But, like, I get a check-in every every night to make sure that I'm, like, I haven't, I don't know, fallen into some kind of, like, coma. I have no idea what they're worried about. But, but like, I'm fine, mostly. But I've, like, had fa- more FaceTime calls and phone calls with people in the last week than I have in probably the last six months. Which I think is really funny. It is. Especially because there's literally nothing to talk about. <laughs> it's true, I know. My dad called me from Houston. And he, we, he usually calls once a week. Usually, like, so what's new? And I'm like, nothing, Dad. I haven't left the house in seven days. What do you mean, what's new? <laughs> like, I was like, what's new with you? He's like, well, I bought a bike. And I was like, okay, great. Phone call over then, I guess. Like, <laughs> what is there to discuss? I know, I know, I know. But, like, on Monday, I had brunch with some girls from work. And I mentioned that to someone, and they were like, what? And I was like, relax. We're doing it on FaceTime. It's fine. <laughs> so we all, like, sat and, and did our did our thing. Uh, in our own homes. Uh, and then last night, no, not last night, Monday night, Aaron and Reva and I watched a movie together. Yeah, I saw that. So funny. Um, because, like, I guess these are things you can do now, right? And, like, I guess we could always do them. But it was just sort of, you know, having that experience of hanging out with your friends as much as as possible. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like, at the end of the day, there is nothing to do. Like, really and truly, there's nothing to do. No, and, like, (laughs) to come back to our original point, you're not going to change your life and, like, don't worry about improving yourself over this time. Like, just, we're all just getting through it. Yeah. You're, (laughs) you don't need that pressure on top of everything to be like, oh, well, I'll be home. I'm going to start a brand new fitness routine. Not going to work out. I'm going to change how I eat. Not going to work. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do, like, just choose a few things to do that are doable. You know, do your spring cleaning early. Go through that closet. Chuck everything you're never going to wear again (laughs) because the world's going to end in 60 days. Um, (laughs) You know, read a book. Well, the interesting thing about the food thing, though, is that because, like, I've made a commitment to myself that I'm only going to go to the store, like, once a week. Like, that's it. I don't need to go to the grocery store more than that. Yeah. Um, my fridge is super full, which is good. Um, but also, like, I don't have the option, and I'm, I'm like, I have food. I'm not going to order food in. This is ridiculous. So I, now I have to cook the food that I have. So I've been eating way more vegetables than normal because they're there. Because you have them, to eat I them. I don't want <laughs> yeah. them to go to waste. Basically. I mean, I'm still only basically eating, like, broccoli, cauliflower, and peas. But at least it's vegetables. There's nothing wrong with those vegetables. Um, oh, and I bought some spinach because I can. I made some pasta the other night, and then I'm just going to make some sauce with it. Excellent. Yeah. And so, uh, and I bought some tomatoes, so I can, like, blister some tomatoes and put some spinach in and make, like, a pretty good sauce. There you go. Yeah. But, like, yeah, so that's that's the thing that's different for me as I'm eating more vegetables. That's excellent. Uh, and also drinking way more coffee than I would normally. Oh, no. Not in a bad way, but just more than I do. Because I don't drink coffee every day. The thing I drink about... coffee, like, maybe three days a week. Yeah. The thing about that that I also learned is that... I think I told you this a while ago. Caffeine makes my anxiety <laughs> go off the charts. And yeah. it doesn't help when I have a mini fridge next to my couch full of, like, just... Iced tea, Diet Coke, and Diet Coke with lime. <laughs> like, 
kidding. And you're just like, well, I'll crack one of these babies. And then four later, I'm having a bad attack on the floor. Just like, why? <laughs> why is this happening? Well, maybe. Here's the thought. Just have one of them. Yeah, that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of four. It's like 3 p.m. is when I get to have my Diet Coke with lime. <laughs> Well, then you can put that in your, like, checklist for the day and then check it off. Yeah, exactly. Very satisfying. Exactly. <laughs> Savor that shit. Oh, God. Yeah. It's been, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's a weird time. And I feel like it's going to last for quite some time. Yep. Like, months. Months and months. And that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, switching gears, because I feel like we have to, have you watched any Outlander since the last time we talked? Fuck. No. Oh my god. Kelsey, god damn it. It's been like two weeks. Oh my god, I forgot. Holy shit, I keep forgetting that Outlander exists. Okay, well, I'm gonna text you every hour and yes, remind you. Please. Oh, I can't I'm do it today because so dis- I have like legitimate work to do, but I'm I can so tomorrow. I'm disappointed in you. Shit, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, no, just this the past episode was really good, and I was like, oh, hopefully we can talk about it, but apparently we can't, so no. we'll have to wait till next week. Fuck. Um, although, let's be fair, I feel like we're gonna have lots of time where we can do podcasts and movies and things, so, uh... We have all the time in the world to talk. And we just clearly have to do Netflix Party, because then we can, like, watch them at the same time and not have to worry about syncing things. That's true. And then, uh, yeah, it'd be great. Um, I watched, can I talk about The Walking Dead really quick? Sure. So, Sunday Night's Walking Dead, uh, spoilers, I guess. I don't think anyone watches that show anymore other than me. Uh, <laughs> and Reba, so it's fine. But in case anyone does, spoilers. Um, the, there was the last episode for Michonne. was this past week. Uh, they didn't kill her off, which I thought they were going to, and they didn't. And I thought that was really good. Oh, that's neat. Um, but they... So, long story short, there was a time jump from, like, last season to this season... Um, like, I think about six years or something like that, or maybe it was the season, I don't remember, but it was like a six-year time jump, and the last that we had heard of Rick is that he, uh, well, as audience, we know that he hadn't died in this explosion, but the rest of the characters think that he's dead, um, and he was, like, taken away in a helicopter, it was all very bizarre, it was like a weird thing going on, it doesn't really matter, um, but anyway, she, in this episode, it's, Michonne is on this... Uh, journey with this character named Virgil, who's like just kind of a main, uh, a minor character here for, I don't know, five or six episodes, um, to get some weapons and whatnot from the island that he lives on, and then it turns out that he was it was a trap because of course it was, um, and he tried to he was going to keep her in like locked in quarantine actually, um, in this building I don't even know what kind of building it was. She ends up ultimately breaking out because uh, she's amazing. Episode, because she's incredible. The episode was really cool, though, because he gave her some kind of, like, hallucinogenic something or another. I can't remember what it was. Um, and it basically played out as if she had made different choices, like, right from the beginning of her journey as the character on the show. So, like, when we first met her in whatever season it was, season two, I guess, season three, um, she helped Andrea get back to safety. And Andrea was a character that had been with, like, the original group. Mm -hmm. And that's how she gets hooked up with them at the prison and all this kind of stuff. But, um, so they showed back, like, what if she hadn't helped Andrea? What if she'd just, like, seen her struggling and walked away? And so then it sort of shows, like, from that one path, like, how all of the things are different. Uh, And it showed that, you know, somehow perhaps she would have ended up, maybe she would have ended up in the same 
ish space or whatever, but maybe instead of being with Rick and his group, she's with Negan and his group, and she ends up, you know, being the person who kills, um, who kills Abraham and Glenn and all these kind of things, right? right. Like it was just, it was really, really interesting. So she's on the, this, this drug and she sees people that, you know, have since died and they're, they're telling her that she's got to like make this choice or whatever. So she ultimately fights through it breaks out there's some other people that he's holding captive as well and breaks them out and then they end up killing him or no not killing him they attack him um and they leave him on the island but while she's on this boat getting off the island she discovers inside this boat are rick's cowboy boots (gasps) and there's also a phone like an old whatever kind of iphone 4 probably i think is what he used to have um that they used as long as they could Uh, And then he just never got rid of it. But Mm -hmm. it had, like, a drawing of her on it. And it said Rick, or whatever, on the screen of the phone. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then she, like, knows that ultimately he had passed through there at some point in time. Yeah. um, After he left, you know, after they presumed him dead or whatever. So she gets on her little walkie-talkie and she talks to Judith, like, her and Rick's daughter, which is not her and Rick's daughter at all. It's Lori and Shane's kid. Doesn't matter. Anyway, and she basically says that, like, she's going to see if she can go find him. I love this. And, and that's how they ended her arc. It was, And it was really, like, a really sweet little moment with her and her kids. And, like, it was really great. But, yeah, like, it was just... Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was just, uh... A really nice way to end her arc, but because the AMC is planning on making movies ultimately, um, why that Rick Grimes will be in because people will watch them, I guess. So I think the the implication is is that if they do end up actually making the films, and you know Rick is in them, that eventually they will reunite. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the but so that's why they didn't kill her off, just to kind of leave that possibility open. But I also like that concept of. Like, you can say farewell to a character on a, like, beloved way without just saying they Mm -hmm. die and their life is over and they have nothing Mm -hmm. else to do for you, the storyteller, and so I will kill them. And that's fucked up. Well, because I think by also by keeping her alive, I think that then, like, sort of the specter of Michonne sort of exists still Mm -hmm. in the show. And that's like, well, what would, you know, what would she want us to do? How how do we deal with this situation? And, like, sort of that influence and that kind of thing. Um, but no, it was good. I, it was, I, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a good episode. That's neat. I'm, and then I'm I, I actually watched The surprised. Talking Dead. I know, I was pleasantly surprised, too, because I was worried they were just going to kill her off. Um, and then I watched uh, The Talking Dead afterwards, which I haven't watched in a really long time. But it was, like, Chris Hardwick, obviously, and then Scott Gimple, who's, like, one of the executive producers. And then uh, Deny... And Yvette Nicole Brown mm-hmm. were the four people. And they obviously weren't in studio. They were each in their own homes doing it on, you know, Skype or whatever. Um, and Yvette Nicole Brown is, like, the Walking Dead super fan. Mm-hmm. And so that was really cool, like, to see, have her reaction. Then she talk, got to talk a little bit about what it meant for her as, as a black woman to have a character like Michonne on TV. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, and so And how, you know, how important it is to see this woman just like kicking ass and taking names Mm -hmm. but also being celebrated for her blackness and it wasn't being like taken away yeah because she you know they they put her in they put her in dreads like immediately that was her character right like that's who she was Mm -hmm. um but she was also strong and she was independent and she was smart and she was you know very um assertive and aggressive when she needed to be and like you know 
viciously murdered a million people, I'm sure, right? And so, like, there's this idea that, that you know, she had this, she was very empowering, so that was really, really cool. Um, and the other thing that we learned at the end of the episode is that there's, like, wherever Michonne ends up, because she says on the, on the walkie-talkie that she's going north, uh, and we, what we find out is when she ends up going north eventually, she runs into these two other people who are trying to catch up to a group, mm-hmm. and, like, over this hill, there's just, like, this mass of people just moving, and it's people, not zombies. So I don't know how far north she ended up, and I don't know... Weird. Whatever. So it, so now now it kind of opens up a little bit more of the world, which I think is kind of cool too. Yeah. So yeah, it was neat. Like it was it was good. It was a good send off. Cried a little bit because they are like you know, as you do. Well, for sure. The way that it was done, but no, it was it was really really good. I I was I was super impressed with how they treated it by not killing her because they very easily could have. Mm-hmm. And she very of course she would have sacrificed herself for her kids. Of course. Right. Like there's no question in my mind that she would have done that. But like I'm glad that they didn't go that way. Yeah, and yeah, how lovely and refreshing. Mm-hmm, yeah, it was nice. And so now that means, I guess, that Daryl's, like, the de facto parent of these two children, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> so, like, this is not necessarily related. Is Chris Hardwick not cancelled anymore? What's going on with that? Oh, he's probably cancelled, but The Talking Dead has never is, was always his, like, little vanity project. Okay. And I think that it, it just, I don't know. I don't know if the people that run that show care enough about the things. Interesting. Which is literally the reason I haven't watched it, but I wanted to watch this one. Mm Mm-hmm. Just because. Yeah. Because I knew that they would have her on, I just wanted to hear what she had to say about, you know, all of... Everything, yeah. Yeah, and it was good, and and I liked it, and whatever. But he's, he kind of has taken a step back a bit, and also I think because there was no studio audience, he wasn't as insufferable, because he wasn't playing to a crowd. It was just a conversation between four people. Interesting. Instead of the normal, like, showman thing that he does, which I don't love. No, he's extremely annoying. But, like, man, him and Steve Dangle must be, like, the luckiest sons of bitches on TV. Like, let's be honest here, they legitimately turned, like, a passion for a thing into a career. Yeah. But also, like, in Steve Dangle's case, like, what happens when all of that is taken away and there's nothing for you to scream about? Yeah, like, it's true. It's very true. <laughs> your whole your whole content is disappearing. It's true. So what do we got? Anything else? Um, I finished Doctor Sleep last night. Did you? I did. I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's the first Stephen King book where I can say that definitively. <laughs> There's... I don't know. Have you read much of his? Yeah, I've read not, like... Yeah, I've I've read enough Stephen King. I've probably read, like, 15 of his books. I like yeah. his stuff. I, I, I think they're fine. Like, there's there's some of... I can't remember where I heard it, but... It really stuck with me where it seems like he's trying to rewrite the same story and just get it right sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I actually really think that he got it right with this one. Because sometimes in his books, there's just like a fucking... <sighs> At the end where it's just like, boom, and it's aliens. And you're like, what? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, what? How is that possible? We you, there was no indication that this is just fucking aliens, and then the book just ends, and you're like, but what? Um, but I really liked it. I was a little bit concerned about. Um, so Doctor Sleep is a sequel to The Shining, and. I didn't read The Shining. I'd seen the movie ages and ages ago. And then I just reread the wiki page before I started reading the book. So I was like, I just need a quick refresher. And you actually, that's all you need. You don't need to read The Shining to read Dr. Sleep at all. But I was concerned because Stephen King has a thing where sometimes he will just put in details that I think are super unnecessary. And like there's one part in the book where... Danny, the little boy, is he's grown up and he's um, an alcoholic. And he's talking about how he he's reminiscing about the lessons that he's learned in the past and how he can turn off his shining by putting the scary people and storing them into, like, lock boxes and safes in his mind. And then they're uh-huh. stuck there and then they can't get him. And he learns this from the guy in The Shining, the cook or whatever, who came and saved them who um, tells him a story about how he was molested by his grandpa. And it's like, well, I didn't need you, Stephen King, to tell me how he was touching him. I didn't need that. You could have just said, like, he touched me where, you know, adults shouldn't touch children or whatever. I didn't need fucking two pages of this. Right. Oh, that makes me crazy. But... It was super, super enjoyable and not really scary, but I did have super fucked up dreams about it, (laughs) as I usually do. But in the end, I was just like, oh, I wasn't like, I did have to distract my brain for two hours till 2 a.m. to fall asleep because it was just like fucking with me a little bit, but it wasn't like his books where I'm usually like, fuck, I need to like sleep with the light on or... I need to lock my door or something creepy like that. I was just like, oh, this one's actually very character-based. And I... That's resonating with me right now. Mm-hmm. So I really recommend it. Interesting. Yeah, I, li- I like some of the stuff. One of the books of his that I really liked was um, 11-22-63. Yeah, that one was okay. It did feel... That's what... Sorry, go ahead. And, like, what I liked about it, because I I feel like some of the stuff that I've read of his that's older, um, which is, like, obviously where he got famous from, and that's totally fine. But some of the stuff of his that I've read that's older, I felt like a lot of it was very much, like, scary for the sake of being scary. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Whereas I felt like some of his other stuff, like, I read Dreamcatcher when I was about, I don't know... 18 or whatever and then I liked 112263 and I just read The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon like not that long ago that might be my favorite Stephen King mm-hmm. um, and it's very and it's very very different from lots of his other stuff which is I think the thing that I like the most about it um, is that he's now sort of is some of his newer stuff he's like sort of dipping into some different wells of of creativity my dad just read um, The Institute which is one, I think, his newest one. That's the one that's, I, is next. I haven't started it, but. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't read it either, my, but my dad read it in, like, two days and loved it. Like, just absolutely loved it. Okay. And he's a big Stephen King fan. Like, his favorite Stephen King is Christine, mm-hmm. followed by, like, the Tommyknockers. Like, he, lo- like, my dad loves Stephen King stuff. And he, I think, yeah, he had lots of good things to say about the Institute. Hmm. 
which when I get around to reading it after I read like the 973 books I haven't read that I already own uh, yeah will be great for sure for sure yeah like I don't need any more books did I buy uh did I buy a quarantine book yes did I need to no no but it's a Hillary Mantel book it's the third one in her in her trilogy her like Tudor trilogy so oh cool yeah so I bought it and I'm excited to get to it eventually yeah exactly it's like <laughs> you're excited about it <laughs> and it's just sticking on your shelf <laughs> well i reshelved all my books yesterday thank you very much now it's, it's in a place where i know exactly where to find it uh right beside her other books so. excellent yeah yeah that was my big project for the week was to reshelve my books and everyone's like oh you're like what do you do with your isolation time and i was like no this was a spring break plan all along yeah. <laughs> I was going to do it over Christmas and I didn't. <laughs> and now and you're like, I real really have no excuse. Like, really, no. <laughs> really, really have no excuse. No, none whatsoever. Yeah, so it's been, uh, yeah, the reading stuff, I've, been, I've had lots of books on the go. I'm reading right now Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney, mm-hmm. um, who I didn't know anything about her, but I'd seen her books on the shelf of the bookstore. And then I read an article in the New York Times about how she, like, lives ultimately. Um, and like the life that she lives with the books that she has. And they were the question, it was essentially questions about like, what are you reading right now? How do you store your books? And she basically stores her books on every flat surface imaginable in her apartment. And I was like, bitch, you are living my life. So, (laughs) so then I read a little bit about her and I was like, oh, I should check these books out. And so I bought that and then her, and her second one. So that's coming up. It's called normal people, I think. Um, but the one I'm reading right now is good. It's set in Dublin, which I enjoy. Um, oh, so up your alley. Yeah, and it's about these two these two women who are in their, like, mid-twenties, and uh, they have a business together, and so for some marketing and promo shots, they, like, are dealing with this, like, executive, and then, uh, but they, like, she's the executive, she's super cool, and, like, they kind of want to be like her, but then the one girl also kind of wants this woman's husband, and, like, it's very, there's just some very complicated, like, interpersonal Dynamics, interactions, yeah. but it's a really nice, and like, a really nice small book, if that makes any sense. Like, it's not a big grand story, it's not this, it's just, like, this really intimate portrait of these different relationships between these four people. Hmm. Well, that sounds nice. Yeah, so that's what, that's what I've been reading, and also, like, nonfiction things. Well, and, see, the perks of that is you're not going to have fucked up dreams of living in your dad's empty house in Sherwood Park and finding a person who's also been living there for two years and they're a child who's been abandoned. You don't have dreams like that. I don't usually have <laughs> when you like read anyway. those books. <laughs> I don't you know what honestly I can honestly tell you that that it's been very rare that I've read a book that has given me nightmares. The last one that I can really remember, uh was the out fucking Stephen King was the outsider because I was reading it when I was camping in Grasslands National Park and it was pitch black. Hey, bad uh, choice, Megan. <laughs> oh, it was a terrible choice, and I should have thought about that because when I was like eighteen and read Dreamcatcher, I read it at my grandma's house, um, and I was staying over with her, and it was so hot that I had to crack the front. I was sleeping like on the hide bed in the living room, so I had to open the front door because um, it was so hot and there was a bit of a breeze, and so it was nice enough to like to cool it off a bit um but there's a street light right outside her door mm-hmm. and a tree and as i'm reading Dreamcatcher, i don't know if we've read it but uh the fucking wind kicks up and the tree is like moving all over the place in the street light and there's all these shadows on the walls and stuff i was terrified 
Oh my god. I was like, well, I guess I can't read this book at night anymore. So, yeah. No. And that's the risk. (laughs) That's the risk you take with Stephen King. Like, It's true. I once had to return a short story collection in university to my friend who I borrowed it from because I was like... I I usually do reading at night in bed, and I was like, I couldn't do that with this. And then I tried to read during the day, and I couldn't do it. So here you go. It's yours again. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. I'm going to read lots of books, I think, while I'm not at work full time. Yeah. Which, like, I still have to work once we go back after spring break, which is next. Next Monday is my first day teaching again. Yes, but, like, think of how much time you save by not having to do supervision and photocopy and drive to and from work. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, or, like, you know, have department meetings that are unnecessary and could have been an email. So, like, you're going to have so much extra time just because you're not expected to do those things. Well, yeah, and, and the way that we're structuring it, and I don't know if this is true for every high school and, and whatnot. Like, I know a friend who teaches in the Catholic system, they're doing a very different thing. But, like, what we're ultimately doing is, like, for our period one classes, our block one classes, we're meeting them Mondays, and then Tuesdays is period two, and then Wednesdays is period three, and then Thursdays is period four. Oh. So that the kids aren't overwhelmed with stuff either. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, each day important. they can, like, work on a subject, kind of? Yeah, and and then I and then they get kind of a week to get the stuff done. Yeah. Um. And so we're expected to have, um, to essentially hold office hours, like in the mornings for the. So, so we do have full year classes, right? And so the day one classes were expected to like for the mornings and day two in the afternoons. Um. And then I think that means for our semester classes, like ideally we want to just meet them in the mornings, that kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, as well. Um. But what's nice about it is like we can do. Um, like video chat sessions and those kind of things, and so like that's kind of the expectation. If if we're if we're good with that, is to have like you know twenty five, thirty minute kind of one of those kids can ask questions, those sorts of things. You can give them the information, instructions, how to do the stuff, mm-hmm. and then you can record those and post them later for kids who weren't able to show up. Because we all we also know that like we have lots of kids who are also caregivers in their homes and mm-hmm. are going to have to help siblings with homework and sure might not be able to make it technology, yeah. Yeah, so they might not be able to make it at 9.15 in the morning, but they can do it later and those kind of things. And so, you know, this first week, I think, is basically designed for us to, like, be in touch with our kids and, like, you know, find out how they're doing, uh, see if there's any supports that we can have. And so we're supposed to let them know what our, when our, our video chat sessions are and have them come in. And essentially we take attendance, not for, like, attendance purposes, but for, like, the kids that didn't show up, then we're supposed to contact them and be like, hey... How you been? We're, you know, what, is there anything we can help you with and that kind of thing? Right. Um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be different and, and weird and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I'm going to have more time in my day. Absolutely. I'm going to have more time in my day. And I also have some plans for like how to do some different unit planning and making, you know, some different stuff mm-hmm. for next year. Yeah. Especially because you, about... yeah, the luxury of time is really nice right now. Well, and we were, I was talking with Aaron and Reva, because they both teach elementary school, and we were talking about what this means, and, like, we were kind of, like, even if we have to, like, at a point where, if we have to start going into work again, like, we're, you know, supposed to be there, we'll still have time. Yeah. And think of all the things that you don't get time to do, ever. Mm-hmm. 
Because, like, those two days at the beginning of the school year are not enough. No. <laughs> uh, to do anything, like, at all. Because you have meetings and this and this and this. And so, um, you know, so we never have time to, to revamp units the way that we want to. We always think that we're going to, but then we never actually get to because... You don't have the time, yeah. You don't actually have the, the real time and, and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so we're kind of talking about some of the luxuries involved there and, and what that looks like. And then we can also maybe start thinking about, like, hey, you know what? Teaching this way worked in the ways that we sort of wanted it to. So maybe what we need to start thinking about is that, you know, we don't have to do as much in class as we think we do, mm-hmm. you know, or, or is there a way we can distill some of what we do normally and can we distill it down into its basics and do some more project-based stuff and do more, you know, that kind of more authentic learning. Yeah. Less stand and deliver. Yeah type of instruction yeah for yeah. sure so i think i and i think this is what we were talking about last week when we were still there because we were still had to be at work for sure monday tuesday and then we were told tuesday afternoon that we could work from home if we wanted and i was like yep yeah, that's what i'm going to be doing um and we were kind of talking about it on on tuesday a little bit is like this is the time to get a little bit creative yeah absolutely. and to realize that like you know our kids the kids that are going to learn this way and learn well will learn well like that's just it and there's going to be kids who really struggle this way mm-hmm. but is there a happy medium is there a way that we can is there a way that we can start thinking about you know our our delivery mm-hmm. and and how we do stuff and how we take assignments in and how we mark them and you know all those kind of things is there a way that we can maybe change some of that yeah absolutely and that's never happened before. <laughs> That's literally never happened before unless you're like a paid consultant for some either textbook company or like educational board. There's no yeah. there's no time and opportunity for you to be like, we need to transform education and I'm going to have an opportunity to just try a whole bunch of shit right now. Yeah, and, and I think the nice thing about this as well is that we can say like and our kids know this too like there's two things that i think are you know advantages at the end of the day mm-hmm. is that our kids are all in the same boat mm-hmm. so like in alberta i'm expecting and i don't think that i'm off base saying this that kids are not coming back to school this year yeah i don't think so like i i'm pretty sure that they're not right and so that means that we have you know 3 months of um, three months of online delivery, whatever that looks like, right? Like our diploma exams have been canceled and PATs have been canceled and all these kind of things. So like, I feel like we're not going to have kids back in our classrooms and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that next year we're all kind of aware that everyone's in the same boat, right? Like you're not going to have that one kid who missed two months of school because they left to go on a holiday, which happens all the time. And I don't yeah. understand it, but it happens all the time you're going to have everybody who missed three months of classroom instruction. And so that means that, like, in English, for example, we're probably, regardless of the level, regardless of what whether it's 10, 20, 30, IB, whatever, we're going to have to reteach some of the writing that we do. Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to have remembered it. But also, right? <laughs> every fall you have to do that anyway. Well, and that's exactly <laughs> it. But, like, just being cognizant that, like, we're all in the same boat, right? And, like, and if yeah. you're an elementary teacher, understanding that, like, yeah, kids are going to miss out in math. For sure they're going to miss out in math. So maybe maybe that's the focus then for next year is to get kids caught up mm-hmm. um, at the beginning and, and do our best in that respect, which is hard. And I know that's really hard because we have to sort of think about what's, you know, that whole learning experience and we can't leave out, you know, 
language arts and social studies for the sake of math, but math is one of those things that's sequential and progressive and like we need to get, you know, there is a Mm -hmm. curriculum that needs to be met. And so I think that in, you know, as much as I don't want to say it's like a true advantage, there is an advantage to everybody being in the situation. Yeah, for sure. Is that we get that opportunity to sort of look in the fall and sort of reset a little bit and be like, oh, right, this is, this is where we all are. Well, yeah. And it's going to be so weird. And, but force everyone to truly adapt to where their students are at. Mm-hmm. Because I think you and I know that a lot of teachers don't, and they expect, not a lot, some specific teachers don't, and they expect students to rise to whatever occasion that they throw at them, even if they have no mm-hmm. background preparedness for that. And now it's just like, no, you actually do have to do a lot you have to teach. You have to do a lot of teaching now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, I know we had some people at our school who were like, well, I don't want to put this on Google Classroom. I, I like to do, you know, notes packages. I'm like, well, you're going to have to fucking figure something out. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you, but you're going to have to figure something out. Yeah. Because this is the reality of our situation. We're super lucky in our board. We have an outreach program that it does like modules. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're basically, we have been granted access to all that stuff to use if we want to. Beautiful. And I, I don't think it's necessarily mandatory, but like it's a really good place to start from. Yeah. Especially because it's so hard to start from scratch. Yeah. And so if you don't have to like make new resources, why would you? Mm-hmm. Um, but there are people who are even like fighting against that. And I'm just like, oh, for the love of everything. Like I just... I find that really frustrating. Agreed. If you are uh, unable to adapt, what are you doing teaching students? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and so this part, I think that'll be interesting. I think I'm looking forward to seeing my kids again, to be perfectly honest. I've been posting messages, like, every last week when we were away, like, every day, and then I did one Sunday night, and I did one yesterday, so I'll do another one tomorrow. Um, but just, like, a, hey, how's, how are things? Mm-hmm. Uh, for my grade 10 IB kids who like just started this drama unit, like they want to keep working on it and they want to keep going. And I'm like, you know what? That's great guys. You just do what you need to do. Yeah. Uh, exactly. You know, your groups, you have your assignments. I didn't have copies of all the plays and not everybody got their stuff from their lockers because they didn't know schools were going to be closed, et cetera, et cetera. So I found PDF copies of five of the seven plays that we had. And I Amazing. was like, well, if you had one of the other two plays, I'm sorry, you're out of luck. And they're like, okay. And so we just like adapted and made some changes and here we are. Uh, See, that's what you fucking do. And they've, like, been in touch with each other, and they're having, they're doing their own, like, group video chats about the play, and, like, I'm like, you guys do what you need to do. Well, and... We will talk next week. That's IB students. Like, that's... Yes, but... Well, yes, and they were bored, and they, like, wanted things to do. Yeah. Um, Like, please grade me, please. But even my English 20s were, like, I've gotten, I got a bunch of emails from those kids. They were asking if I could send the playlist for, like, the writing that we did every, every day. and so I just posted it in an update for everybody and I was like some of you have asked for this and I was like you know what over spring break I know I realize it feels like last week was also spring break but like think about it this way if you do 15 minutes of reading and 15 minutes of writing a day every day from now until the end of the school year you'll be golden baby just think about how much you're reading and writing that's really all I want from you I was like and if you would like that music to help you with the writing here you go Mm mhm and so many of them were like, oh, thanks so much for sending this. I was one, I couldn't remember what it was. And I was just like, man, you guys are so funny. And they would roll their eyes at it and be like, oh, this is so stupid. And then they're clearly like, send me the thing. <laughs> like, okay, well, that's it's... because they're so desperate for familiarity and routine right mm-hmm. now. Like, Well, and that was one of the conversations that we had 
in one of our meetings last week, we had uh, department meetings and stuff, and people were like, wow, what if the kids don't do the work? And I was like, well, then they don't do the work, I guess, is ultimately the answer to that question. It's like, they don't do the work when they're in school anyway. It's the same kids. Yeah. That's like, but you have to remember, too, that these kids are bored, and they're mm-hmm. going to be bored. And there's only so much, There, honestly, there comes a limit, even for teenagers, how much, like, how many video games they can play in a day. For sure, like, for there sure. there is a limit to those things. And so at some point in time, they're going to want something to do. And that thing that they're going to have in front of them is schoolwork. Mm-hmm. So just be aware that, like, what we're providing them, it can't just be busy work. Yeah, it has to be purposeful. It has to be meaningful. And it has to hit our curricular objectives. But, like, they will do the work mm-hmm. because we're asking them to and because they will be bored. Absolutely. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess. I was like, no, I'm correct. Don't worry. And just, and just judging by the number of emails that I've had from kids already, and it hasn't even been two weeks, just I've had, I don't know, probably 150 different communications from kids Aww. asking questions. How do we do this? Where can I find, you know, like, where can I find this? What's a, I really liked reading this book. Where's something else that's similar? Like, just all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, how do I find an audiobook for this? And I think part of it is they just want that little bit of connection, but I also think that they are bored already mm-hmm. especially because it's not like normal summer holidays or whatever where you can go hang out with your friends at the mall and go go to movies and like do those kind of things like you're stuck at home well and i think they're also very self-aware because they're like if they're looking for an audiobook for something they're like i know that i don't have maybe the time and opportunity in my day to just sit down and read because maybe i am a caregiver maybe i am you know helping out and doing a whole bunch of things even though we're isolated but mm-hmm. what i can do is put in headphones and listen and that'll still allow me to like be engaged and do whatever or i know that in class sitting and reading doesn't work for me but i'm very an auditory learner so yeah. I know myself and I know what methods are going to work for me. And so I want to try it this way instead. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's been kind of nice. But yeah, just judging by the amount of interaction that I've had with kids since then, and this isn't even like official class time right now, they are ready for something. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm legitimately not concerned about them not doing the work. No, I think, I think they're looking for normalcy and they'll be like, well, this is what, this is what my job is, right? Like, yeah. Parents are still working from home. You have yeah. to work from home. Like, yeah. it's all it's all equality, baby. We're all working from home. Yeah. Just like that great, what was it? Little Mix song? You ain't gonna work from home, home, home. You know, mm-hmm. you know the one? Sort of, vaguely. Would you like to find out which combination of a Jane Austen and Marvel character you are? I would, but can I tell you one more thing? Damn it. <laughs> I have, no, it's, we, I was just thinking about this. We had our meetings last week or whatever, and I was up in my office, and I have my little Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall shrine up on the wall, uh-huh. um, my little shelf, my bookshelf, and the social meeting, the English meeting, I don't think anyone cared. Um, no one was paying attention, but in the social meeting, they were all like, what is on your wall? Please show us everything. And I was just like, oh my God. And I was like, it's all like autographed Taylor Hall things that people gave me after he got traded away. <laughs> and they were like, huh. Cool. And I was like, yeah, it was pretty great. And they're like, where's the jersey? And I was like, oh, it's right here on the back of my chair. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just really funny. I love that. It's so funny, too. Like, I was doing a a video chat game session thing last night with some friends. And 
I was just like, oh shit. Like if I were to video chat and I was teaching with students right now, like my appearance is extremely different as to how they would have seen me every day. (laughs) Like (laughs) my eyebrows are not drawn on. (laughs) There's a, a, a robe around my shoulders, you know, like it's just like, oh fuck, would I have to like put clothes on to video chat with students? That would suck. Just a sweater. Yeah. Yeah, that's my that's my plan. I haven't worn real pants in a week, so. Yeah, I'm just sweatpants every day, baby. I wore sweatpants to work last week. Uh, did not like it. No, felt too no, weird. I, yeah, I wore I wore them on Tuesday. Like I was, it was comfortable, but I was like too comfortable. Mm. It was very bizarre. I feel like I need a, a modicum of discomfort in this place. <laughs> a little bit, like, and, and I mean, everything else is the same. I just wore like a hoodie and a t shirt or whatever. But then I also had, um, yeah, I put sweatpants on and I was just like, mm, no, no, do not like, yeah. See, you've okay. learned what your limits are in a concept. I have, I have learned what my limits are. Um, okay, let's find out Jane Austen and Marvel, and Marvel character. character. I'm super excited about this somehow. Okay, Megan, this one is going to be challenging for you. <laughs> uh, because I don't like Jane Austen? Yes. yes. And the questions are very, let's say anti-introvert <laughs> oh gross where are you most likely to be found at a ball front and center hiding under piano softly weeping tucked away with a gaggle of suitors at the head of the table all eyes on me in the corner with my sister laughing off the drama or outside trying to leave <laughs> that one okay okay what's i'll do this for you too what's your answer um, in the corner with my sister lapping off the drama. Okay. What's the worst part of being a hero? Failing. There are no bad parts. I love it. I'm not a hero. The burden of knowledge. Never getting to put myself first. Oh, well, I clicked a link, so let's go backwards here. And being called a hero when I am anything but one. Um. Oh, that one. The yeah, that's one. me too. How many servants does your family have? (laughs) Two, but they're a part of the family. Millions. Fifteen. If they're doing their job, I won't see them at all. None of them pay attention to me, so what does it matter? Or who knows? I'm never at home. That one. Yeah. What's your favorite food? Who has time for that? (laughs) Sour gummy worms, maybe? Anything expensive, anything homemade, a nice glass of wine, I'll eat when my work is done. Mm, I'm going to say anything homemade. Yeah, I'm choosing that too. Fuck, we're going to end up with the same shit. (laughs) How do you feel about marriage? If he's rich, then I love it. (laughs) I'm too young for marriage. If it can be a thoughtful and respectful union, then I'm all for it. I've never been enchanted previously, but I'm open to it. Women have been historically oppressed by marriage, but that ends with my progeny. Or love it for my friends. I'm too busy having fun right now. I will say I've never been enchanted previously. Okay. If he's rich, then I love it. (laughs) (laughs) What is the role of government in society? To tell us what to do, to serve the people... To stay the hell out of my way, to protect the people, to sacrifice the few for the many, 
or to rule over all? Um, to serve the people. Yeah. What is your dream job? Land mistress? Writer? A writer. Okay. Um, what about you? Land oh, yeah. mistress. Duh. Okay. And if you could be any of the original Avengers, who would it be? Tony Stark, Black Widow, they all disgust me, <laughs> Thor, Hawkeye, or Steve Rogers? Uh, I'm going to lodge a formal complaint at the spelling of Steve Rogers' last I time. was just going to say, that's not even spelt right. Um, which one? I think I'd, well, I don't know. Who would I want to be? Who would you want to be? Um... Oh, who would I want Actually, to be? Actually, honestly, I would want to be Hawkeye. I Not think I'd want like to be Thor. As much as I do, but I think, like, Hawkeye's, like, in the background. Yeah. Right? I like Thor. Okay. Where do you go when you feel melancholy? Into town so everyone can tell me how pretty I look. In the rain, wearing a white shirt, growing see-through through my muscles. <laughs> melancholy everywhere I go. Melancholia holds me back and I will not allow it. I seek the conference of my dear sisters. I go to my friend's house and try to help them with their problems. I'm melancholy everywhere I go. Yeah, I'm going to choose the one next to it. Melancholia holds me back and I will not allow it. Just so that we have some diversity here. Okay. What popular movie are you? Mean Girls? Perks of Being a Wallflower, Fight Club, The Dark Knight Rises, Atomic Blonde, or Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen? Um, uh, The Dark Knight Rises, obviously. I'm gonna be Atomic Blonde. Okay. Okay, you are Captain America and Mr. Darcy. <laughs> you Let's st- hear it. You have the strong moral compass of Captain America, but the tendency to isolate yourself from others. Holy shit! Your dark mystery lures people in. Don't be afraid to get out there. Uh, that's not untrue. Um, okay, well, you are Black Widow and Lady Catherine de Bourgh. You have the intensity and advanced skill set of Black Widow and the regality of a woman who knows her worth in a time that fought against her. Keep being you, queen. Jeez, I don't know how to feel about that. Oh, there you go. What's Catherine de Bourgh from? I don't know, but it's Judy Dench. How do you spell it? Oh, I'll, I'm going to text this to you. Uh, Catherine with a C. Oh, it's Bird. Pride and Prejudice. Is Who it? is oh. she? Who is she? I don't know. Huh. You're asking me questions? Oh, it's <laughs> Lady Catherine. I That's her aunt, I think. Do not have answers. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because <laughs> the only Austin worth reading is uh, Persuasion. Well, we've all learned a little something today um, about ourselves, about each I, other. I got some questions. Okay. I asked some friends for questions. Um, okay. It's sort of about the virus, but also this is, these are some questions from Jess. First question is, is it normal that every time I go out of the house and I come home, I think I have coronavirus? Yes. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's the whole hypervigilant and possibly paranoid part of us. Yeah. Yes. Uh, She wants to know if we can start some kind of a movie club or something, and I think we probably could. We could figure that out. Ooh, yeah, for sure. I feel like we have time. Oh, yeah, we do. (laughs) Yeah. So, yes, we can start a movie club, Jess. We'll we'll be in touch. Um, 
I feel like this is a question for me. Uh, what part of work are you most looking forward to doing again? Honestly, I'm looking forward to like going to work. Yeah, seeing people. And like seeing my kids and, and actually doing the teaching. Because that's the best part of the job, right? Like t- mm-hmm. to me is the teaching and being in front of kids and like all of that work. And not being able to do that in the way that I'm used to is going to be really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second question, what part of not work are you most looking forward into to doing again? Uh, honestly, I've said it on Twitter, like... I will probably never turn down patio beers again, (laughs) (laughs) which for me is like a big thing. Yep. Um, But like, just like I said before, like the not having the ability to go and like escape the solitude of my house, except to go for a walk ultimately is really hard. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. What about you? What's the thing you're most looking forward to again? I think that as well. Also, like, my best friend just had a baby, and I really want to see that fucking baby and squish it. It's, like, five days old, and it's just, like, give me that baby! And under normal circumstances, you probably would have gone, like, on the weekend. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Other question from Jess. What's the better fanfic? Enemies to lovers in quarantine, or friends but secretly in love to lovers in quarantine? Ooh, friends to lovers, I think. Depends on what you're after in the story. Because I, <laughs> um, I, someone's a little tainted by another Star Wars fanfic they read, Megan. <laughs> so much read like an entire one this morning before I got out of bed. It was great, um, and it was it was like it was wonderful. I'll tell you about it after. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, no, it depends though, because like it depends what you're after in the story. If you just want like a nice little story that would like make a good YA movie, then like Friends to Lovers is fine. But if you want if you want something that's, like, maybe a little bit more than that, then it's definitely enemies to lovers. For sure, for sure. <laughs> okay. We'll just, we'll just leave that there. Sure. Um, where else did I get questions from? Um, okay. Uh, if you could choose a person, I think we had this question before, but who would you want to be quarantined with? Mmm... Do I have to know them personally? No. There's no qualifiers on this one. This is really a Sophie's choice right now. Goodness. Uh, my sister. <laughs> <laughs> I miss her a lot. <laughs> um, I, I Just so you know, it was between my sister and Chris Hemsworth, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you picked your sister? I did. <laughs> <laughs> she knows me better. <laughs> uh, see, this is the thing. This is this is legitimately what I was thinking. Like, sure, there's that whole like novelty thing. It's like, oh, you know, celebrity, whatever, whatever. But like, what if they don't know you? Mm-hmm. And I don't like small talk. Oh, small talk is the absolute worst. That just seems like a lot to like all of a sudden be like forced into quarantine with somebody that you don't know mm-hmm. uh, and have to like get to know them. But ugh. If I had to pick, like, a famous person, I would legitimately say Chris Pine, let's be honest here. Um, I think yeah. it'd be great. Um, but, like, real people? I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know who I'd want to be quarantined with. I think I'd, Reva and I could be quarantined together. We know we know when it's time to, to go our separate ways. Yeah. Okay, um, other question here. And then I had, there's one more after this. Um, if you could choose any sport and draft anyone from the sports world to make up a team, who would you choose and what sport would it be? And the example here is like, like synchronized swimming with the Oilers or a polo team made up of UFC fighters, which I think is like, oh shit. 
Wait, water polo or horse polo? It just says polo. My question still stands. I don't know. <laughs> I can't imagine UFC people on horses. That's crazy. I also can't imagine them being able to float, though, so. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Um, I think it would be super funny if you had, like, the U.S. female Olympics team playing volleyball. <laughs> just, like, working with different sizes and just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be kind of fun. Um, I think uh, another sport, hey. I don't know. See, I, I was thinking about this, too. I think it would actually, actually, what I think would be super fun would be to watch, like, basketball players play baseball oh because it's just such a it's just such a different like skill set required um whereas like you know like you have depending on like depending on the position or whatever that they play in and but like hockey players would have have like pretty good hand-eye coordination Mm -hmm. so like i don't think that the the shift to like hitting baseball would be as difficult as for like basketball players because also basketball players generally speaking are like freaks of nature and their limbs are so stinking long that like I just I think it would be fun to watch I think it'd be very comical to watch a bunch of like really tall pretty lanky guys like try and play baseball like imagine how tiny the bat would be in like Kevin Durant's arms like Dwight Howard's arms it'd be crazy Aaron Judge is six foot seven and the bat looks like it's made for children (laughs) <laughs> but like then you add on like basketball players who are taller than that like it's just i just think it'd be hilarious to watch yeah for um, sure and they're also not really super known for their speed generally speaking it's more like explosiveness yeah and so like i feel like it'd be kind of fun to watch them like try and field you know field balls and like try you know and that kind of stuff i think that'd be super fun to watch mm-hmm. um yeah and i feel like i have one more question i gotta find it first uh but, but, but i think this is just the one Oh, yeah. Last question. What is your favorite social distancing app? Uh, well, all the fucking extroverts are on Instagram now. <laughs> so that one's <laughs> taken away from me. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say my <laughs> library app, Libby, because everyone's home fucking reading. So all my holds are coming fast and furious. That's awesome. I've got like fucking eight books. I'm like... God, just panicking trying to finish. That's funny. So I'll say um, that. My favorite social distance again? The coronavirus. What? Oh come on. I don't the get fact it. that I get the fact that I get to stay home. Oh, I see, I see, I see. And I'm like helping by just staying home and not interacting with people is kind of my dream. Yeah. I'm I'm super, super jacked for like what that actually looks like yeah and i realize it's a struggle for people who are extroverted i get that but like existing in your world is hard for me Mm -hmm. well it's like when ralph in the simpsons is told why don't you just lay your head down and go to sleep and he goes that's where i'm a viking that's kind of what you're thinking about yeah yeah well absolutely like to me it's i mean yeah but like i've been thinking about this a lot and like honestly yeah it is exhausting just existing in the world Mm -hmm. most of the time 
It is. And I don't mean that in, like, an existential kind of way, but, like, I, it's hard for me. As we know, it's hard for you, too. Yeah. Right? Because there's so much of, of being out in the world that requires us to be out of our comfort zone in terms of, like, interacting with people. Mm-hmm. And so now the fact that, like, I'm being ultimately rewarded <laughs> for staying home. Sure, we can look at it that way. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm doing my part. I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And and it's kind of great. It is. No, I mean, I think that's a good way to look at it. For sure. For sure. I feel like my mood has been extremely high, <laughs> which is rare for me, <laughs> in spite of my antidepressants recently being doubled. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, okay, maybe... Maybe life ain't so bad. <laughs> well, and I mean, for you, ultimately, other than, like, not being able to, like, take those escapes into the real world, like we do, I mean, your life hasn't changed a whole bunch, has it? No, my husband's home a lot more than usual, <laughs> which he's actively trying to change <laughs> and work more. But, you know, he's one of those people who needs to save the world. Yeah. But also, he has the capacity to do that right now, so I feel like we should just let him. Yeah, he's, well, his sports clinic is open and it's like, I don't think that you're a fucking essential service to put fucking injections into people's knees right now. Like, come on, close. Maybe not. What are you Maybe doing? Um, but yeah, like, I just, I, yeah, I feel like I'm trying, I mean, at the end of the day, too, I am trying to frame this in a way that's like, it is positive. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm not like trying to be glib about it, but like at the end, I, ultimately, I'm doing the thing that I've been asked to do. Mm-hmm. And for me, it means I get to stay in a place that's comfortable to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't have to go out into the world and exist and interact with people if I don't want to. It's the best possible way, I think, for us to achieve meeting expectations in our yes, whole lives. Absolutely. And we like never I never excelled more. And people aren't looking at me weird for staying home. Yeah. You know? Like I where I I'll go back to work every once in a while and I will brag about how on a long weekend I like didn't talk to anyone for three days. Fuck yeah, it's the dream, baby. Right. <laughs> and they're and they're like, Well, how do you not talk to people for three days? I'm like, Well, it's really easy. You just actively don't talk to people for three days. Like I there's no there's <laughs> there's no smoking gun here. Um and so yeah, the fact that that's what we get to do as part of this is uh as of right now, not the worst thing in the world. Nope. And we're helping people by staying Indoors. Yep. Stay um, home. Do you have anything else? No. Me neither. Okay, then. <laughs> um, that's all we have for this week. I don't know when we're going to record again. It'll probably be sooner than later. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. Soon. Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, we could definitely do a movie club. I think that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's all we have for this week. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. There's a Twitter, there's an Instagram, Megan's on Twitter, um, there's yeah, an email. <laughs> yeah, you can find me at Meg14. Everything else is like some iteration of Garbage, Garbage Fire, Fire Podcast. Bugs. Like, just <laughs> so. type it into anywhere and it'll work, I promise. Yeah, pretty much. Um, if there's any like particular Netflix movies that you would like us to watch over this uh, quarantine time, let us know, because I think we can manage. Or Prime. We both have Prime, right? We both have Prime, that's true. Do you have Crave? I do not have Crave. Okay. We canceled it. Well, my sister canceled it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. So I just got it. I was like, I'm going to be home for a while. It's fine. Yeah. 
Uh, and I can get rid of it um, when I don't need it anymore. But yeah, so um, yeah, you can find us in all those places. Uh, if there's anything you want us to watch, let us know. We'll do our commentary or whatever. I think that's great. Um, and yeah, as always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the dumpster. <laughs>